Good morning. It's good to see so many people here this morning. Hope you've had a good week and hope you've been prayerful for the service. I don't want to take up too much time this morning and uh, give as much time to Brother Tim as I can. But I do have a few thoughts I want to share with you this morning. I want you to think about if I were to ask you um, to name some different types of jobs, different types of careers, what some of the answers might be from the congregation, you would, uh, you'd probably get you know, things like a mechanic, you would get a teacher, you may get a truck driver, you may get a dentist or a lawyer, you may get a doctor, you may get somebody you know, that works in an office. You'd get you know, maybe uh, 10 or 15 very common answers if you were to ask Give me some types of jobs where you may go to a little kid and say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they'll be like, well, I want to be, you know, and they'll run pretty much the same list, at least one off the same list. And those are the types of jobs that we think about. But there has been a new job that has seemed to surface maybe in the last, uh, I don't know, five years, 10 years. I'm not sure. And I always chuckle when I when I uh, hear about somebody is in this particular profession because it's kind of silly to me. But that is, a, and I hope none of you are in it, but I don't think you are. Uh, and that is the job or career of what they call an influencer. You ever heard of that? Now, you might ask some of the older people or some of the people that don't really deal with the Internet too much, and they're going to be like, what in the world is an influencer? And it, I mean, it just, just the sound of it sounds kind of prideful, right? What do you do? Well, I'm a mechanic. What do you do? Well, I'm a dentist. What do you do? I'm an influencer. You know, And it just kind of sounds funny and it makes me chuckle when I think about it but it is a real thing and people get paid to be an influencer and I looked up the definition of what an influencer would be and and typically today I'm thinking more along the lines of you know social media and things like that and this is the definition of an influencer it says uh, if I can read my writing someone who has credibility in a specific area has access to a huge audience and can persuade others to act based on their recommendations. Now, I do not meet that criteria. Um, you know, and, and let me give you this. I wrote down some of what the Internet says are the top ten influencers. And uh, some of them I had to leave out because I didn't even know who they were or how to pronounce their names. The first one on the list, and I'm sorry, I think this guy's a soccer player. So if I pronounce his name wrong, forgive me. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, number one. Selena Gomez. Kylie Jenner, Kendall Jenner, Beyonce, and Taylor Swift. Those are, the, those are some of the top ten influencers, meaning they've got credibility, they've got a huge audience, and they are able to persuade people to kind of do what they want them to do. That's why you see a lot of times, you know, on TV, maybe a, a singer or an actor or a celebrity stand up and they, they kind of want to start endorsing a certain thing. Maybe it's a politician or a, maybe it's a, you know, a save the whales type movement. And, 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 you know, and maybe I'm a little cynical about that. But I thought, you know, if you're a singer, I want you to sing. That's what I need you to do is sing because your ability to sing or to act doesn't give you credibility with me. But for some reason... People just, they just follow and they flock these people so, and they, and they idolize them so much so that companies say, hey, if you'll wear my clothes and be an influencer for my company, then I'll pay you so much. So you say, oh my goodness, you know, Taylor Swift wears that. I got to wear that. 
Taylor Swift's telling me to wear that. I got to wear that. Taylor Swift or Beyonce saying vote for this person. They're influencing me to try to vote for that person. And it's really kind of silly. But the concept of it is not. The concept of being an influencer is really not that silly. I looked up another question that said, how many followers do you have to have to be considered an influencer? And I can't remember the number, but it was, you know, it was a pretty high number. And, uh, you know, I thought to myself in the sense, in a worldly sense, I will never be an influencer. I don't think one person has ever said, I'm going to go buy that particular shirt because Luke Hagler has that shirt and he likes it. (laughs) I don't think anybody's ever done that, you know. And so I think about my own personal self in a worldly sense. You know, I really uh, I don't have credibility with the world and I I don't have a a, a lot of people that uh, really, you know, give two cents about what I have to say about things. And, you know, uh, I would like to think I'm a persuasive person, but to the world, I'm not. So I'm not a very good influencer in in that sense of the of the definition, if you understand where I'm coming from. But that's in the world. That's a worldly influencer. It is a crying shame that the list on the you know, it's a crying shame. And we ought to grieve over the fact that people like Beyonce have more influence in this world than God's people do. That ought to be a shame to us. And and what I've noticed over time is that God's people seem to have kind of drifted away and died down from the idea that they also should be influencers, right? And so the question I have for you this morning is, are you an influencer? In a spiritual sense. Are you an influencer in a spiritual sense? Not in a worldly sense, but in a spiritual sense. Are you an influencer? And here's what the devil is immediately going to tell you. You have no credibility. You do not have an audience. And you are not persuasive enough to ever do anything in the kingdom of God that's going to amount to anything. That's what the devil is immediately going to begin to tell you. And so what do we do? We, we, we just gobble that up. You're right. I don't have any credibility. And I don't have any, uh, an audience that follows me. And I don't have uh, the ability to persuade people. And, and we begin to compare ourselves to other people. Right? And you might say, well, I don't have near the audience that maybe Brother Tim has. Or the audience that maybe Brother Luke has, or the Brother Neil, or whoever you want to, uh, you know, uh, think of, and you may say, I don't have, you know, near the uh, near the persuasion, and I don't have the credibility. And let those guys deal with the things of the kingdom, and that's a lie from Satan. Now I want to look at the Bible for just a minute at a few people. Flip over to John, the first chapter, for just a second. In John, the first chapter, we're going to read just a little bit about a man named John the Baptist. And this is, uh, if, as most of you, I'm sure you know, this is John the Baptist is kind of the precursor to Jesus. He's the one that is is preparing, as the Bible says, preparing the way or preparing the you know society to to see and to understand and to receive uh, the son of God who is about to come onto the scene now. I've never been in music. Brother, Brother Tim's been in music. He can tell you a whole lot more about it. But, you know, a lot of times these big people that, uh, that, that are putting on a concert, they'll have an opening act, right? 
And they're not going to pick somebody that doesn't hardly know how to play and hardly know how to sing. And it's not very attractive to the audiences to be their opening act, right? They want somebody that's pretty good. Well, in a sense, John the Baptist is kind of like an opening act for Jesus. He is preparing the people for what is to come. Now, you would think that the Lord would have sent down uh, a glowing, radiant, bright angel, maybe Gabriel, maybe Michael, to walk among the people and people couldn't even look at him, maybe have a huge flaming sword and begin to say, hey, you need to get ready. The Son of God is coming. But that's not what they did. That's not what the Lord did. The Lord sent a man named John the Baptist. And if you can read about John the Baptist here, when he comes on the scene, there's some questions that are asked to John the Baptist in the 21st verse. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these people asked John, they asked him, it says, What then, are thou Elias, Elijah? And he saith, I am not. And he says, Are, are thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said unto him, Who art thou? All right, you know what that means? You're a nobody. And we have no idea who you are and you have no credibility with us you're just nothing we don't even know who you are then they said unto him who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us what sayest thou of thyself and he said i am the voice of one crying in the wilderness make straight the way of the lord as said the prophet isaiah now uh, now listen here is John the Baptist that's come onto the scene. And what does the Bible describe him as? You know, he doesn't have all the goodly apparel on. He's certainly not glowing bright and radiant. He's wearing camel hair. He eats wild locusts and honey. That's his diet. Think about this guy. He is a nobody. He has literally come out of the wilderness looking like what we call a woolly booger who has a very strange diet. He is a nobody. And even when they ask him, who are you? He doesn't say, my name is John. I'm the son of so-and-so, Zacharias, I believe it was. And, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this is my resume. And this is how much I know about the Lord. And, but he says, I'm a voice. He doesn't even give them his name. You know, and that really should be the mantra of all preachers is we're just voices. Right. What did John the Baptist do? He said, I'm just a voice that points you towards another. Who's, you know, who's, who's latch and I'm not worthy to, to unloose. That, that's what a preacher is. Preacher should be just a voice that points you to somebody greater. And if you ever find a preacher who does way more pointing at himself, you got a problem. So John the Baptist says, he admits his own admission. I'm a nobody. Doesn't matter what my name is. Doesn't matter what my resume is. Doesn't matter my history. Doesn't matter my, you know, my lineage. I'm simply a voice pointing you to somebody else. And yeah, maybe I do look like a woolly booger. My point is this. We're in the year of 2021 and we are still talking about John the Baptist's ministry. And he was a nobody. You see, a worldly influencer has to have credibility to be effective. But a spiritual influencer does not. Are you with me? Now, let's go to the book of Esther for just a second. We preached out of there last week or a couple weeks ago. I can't remember. The book of Esther is primarily about who? It's about Esther, right? But there's a man in there named Mordecai that you ought to really study. Now, again, as I told you a couple weeks ago, at this point, the children of Israel are captives in the land of Persia. Okay? And so there's a man named Mordecai who is raising his cousin. 
his uncle's daughter. He's raising her as one of his own, as a, as a child. So Mordecai uh, really is just, he's just kind of there. He's just kind of on the scene. And you don't really find him dealing with a whole lot of people other than Esther, right? Well, the deal with Mordecai is, you know, there's a king and Mordecai, it's, it's funny when you read it through here about Mordecai, and I just always picture him, you know, just kind of walking by looking. He's just kind of walking by checking the scene out and meditating on it, you know, and he never really does anything about it because Esther's really the only one he deals with, but he's just always kind of watching, you know, and he, he happens to overhear that there is an, an assassination attempt, I mean, assassination plan on the king, right? And Mordecai does not run tell the king. Mordecai doesn't run tell all the king's people. Mordecai goes to Esther and Esther goes to the king, Right? And so he is able to stop an assassination attempt because of what he heard and he relayed the message. Even greater than that, when there is a, um, a uh, great plan by Haman to, uh, to have all the Jews in that land destroyed, you will find it is Mordecai who orchestrates with Esther to talk to the king. Now here's my point. <clears throat> Mordecai because of his dealings with Esther, saved the king's life. Mordecai, because of his dealings with Esther, saved the lives of all the Jews, and the Bible says men, women, and children of that day. Now I ask you this, did Mordecai have an audience? Did he have a big crowd? No. He did not have a huge following. If Mordecai was on Facebook today and Mordecai posts something, Mordecai would get one like. And it'd be Esther. Right? He had no audience following him. But it was Mordecai who influenced Esther. And through Esther, all these people are saved. In a worldly sense, you've got to have a huge following to influence people. But in a spiritual sense, not only do you not have to have credibility. You don't have to have a huge audience, right? I may never have any kind of impact on the kingdom of God that's really, that really amounts to anything. But listen, but I may be raising some boys that might. You hear me? My investment may be in those boys who may or may not grow up to be preachers may be one of the greatest things I could ever do in the kingdom because of my influence over them. Right? Now, let me look at one more here. In the book of Jeremiah, and there's a reason that Jeremiah is referred to as the weeping prophet. If I was Jeremiah, I'd have been weeping too. This is what the Lord tells Jeremiah when he calls Jeremiah. He says this, and I'm paraphrasing in a nutshell. Jeremiah, you are going to be met in your ministry with relentless opposition. You are not going to be baptizing people. You are not going to be seeing people converted. You're going to preach that my long suffering is coming to an end to a people who could not care less. And they're going to hate you for it. They're going to hate you for it so much that there's going to be times that you say, I'm not doing this anymore. This is pointless. Why am I here? Why am I laboring? Why am I doing all these things, Lord? Because nobody, not one single person cares about what I'm doing. But then he says, oh, but if I shut my mouth, that's even worse. Because there's a fire shut up in my bones and I'm consumed with it. And if I don't speak it, I think I'll die. 
Now, how would you like that? And, you, know, I, you know, I can relate to it because I've been ordained before. You know, if Brother Tim, who charged me in my ordination, would say, all right, Luke, here's the deal. Nobody's going to care what you have to say. Nobody's going to listen to you. They're going to hate you. It's going to be terrible. I'd have said, wait, whoa, hold up. You should have told me that before all this. But that's what Jeremiah had to deal with. And so Jeremiah preaches and preaches and preaches. And the more he preaches, the more they hate him to the point that he is in despair saying, I'm ready to quit. Jeremiah had no persuasion. You understand? What does it take? What was the definition of being an influencer today? You got to have credibility. You got to have access to a huge audience and you've got to be able to persuade others. And what do you think Jeremiah did? Jeremiah went home and he probably put his hand, head in his hands and he probably wept saying, I am terrible at this. I don't know how to get people to listen to me. I cannot persuade them to repent. That would be a tough place. His, his uh, dedication to the ministry is unparalleled. Amen. Everybody else probably would have quit. Right. Because they said, I've got no per- persuasion. All right, now follow me here. John the Baptist had zero credibility with the people. They said, we don't even know who you are and you look like a woolly booger. Mordecai had no audience other than one person, Esther. And Jeremiah did not have the ability to persuade people. But they are three tremendous influencers in the spiritual world, in the kingdom of God. Right? Now, what does the devil say? Hey, the Lord burn in your heart? Do you feel the Spirit of God welling up inside you? You want to make a difference in the lives of people? Don't bother. You have no credibility. You have no followers. And you're not able to persuade. I encourage you to look at these, these brothers right here. And look at them. I read, and I wish I could give the guy credit or the girl. I, don't, I, don't even, I can't remember where I read it. But this was the saying. The most meaningful and measurable impact you will ever have on people's lives occurs around your dinner table. Now, I understand that not everybody has a dinner table, right? I understand that maybe there are single people who sit there and they don't have anybody around their dinner table. There are people who sit there and maybe their kids are grown and gone and they don't have children. Listen, don't picture a mom and a dad and, and, and you know two, three, four, or five kids sitting around a dinner table. Everybody has a dinner table. It may just not be a table and chairs. And what I mean is there is somebody, some measure of people in your life that you do have influence over. And it may be one person like Mordecai. But I encourage you, don't let the devil lie to you that you don't have an influence in the kingdom of God. Because you do. You don't have to have the definition of a worldly influencer. Isn't that great? Isn't God's way great? You apply the spiritual requirements for an influencer to the worldly requirements and and the world will shut you down. Say, no, Mordecai, you want to be an influencer? You You want to promote my clothing? You want to promote my product? You don't know anybody. John the Baptist, nobody knows you. Jeremiah, you've been preaching the same message and nobody's giving into it. But we're still talking about them today. There may be one single person in your life 
that the Lord will bless your efforts and bring a great harvest and a great increase out of your efforts with one person. You know what? There's always somebody bigger than you. And there's always somebody smaller. Brother Tim and I will probably never have the audience that Sonny Piles had. Right? I know I won't. But he had a huge following of people and the Lord blessed him in that. You know, but, but some of the greatest sermons I've ever heard came from nobodies. So don't let the devil lie to you. It may be the influence you have over your children or your spouse or a friend or a, you know, your people at work or people in this community. I don't know. Your field of influence is going to be bigger than different than mine and different than Brother Tim's and different than Brother Milam's. And then we're all different. But don't ever say, I have no influence in the kingdom of God. Because if these three brothers would have said that, if these three brothers would have said that, we wouldn't have the record we have of them today. Thousands of Jews would have been killed. Nobody would have been there to make straight the path of the Lord and prepare the society for Him. Nobody would have been there to preach about the judgment of God in the days that, uh, that Israel was, was just you know, falling off the charts in sin. So I encourage you, be a spiritual influencer. And you don't have to have a resume to do that. Let the Lord bless your efforts. I hope that's been profitable to you. Pray for Brother Tim as he comes.